When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think flashing back five years ago, there was a, a, a crisis in our world of social injustice, of issues around gun violence. At that moment in you know 2017, a lot of unrest. And I think what sparked me to take on those external factors kind of influencing, well, what does this mean for Art Center? What does this mean for our community? What does this mean for this next generation? It got me really fired up because I have seen for my entire teaching career here and an administrative career, programs like Design Matters, which is a cornerstone for us where it is you're using your creativity for good. I knew that in the long tail view here and in short term is that we had a responsibility as creatives to help this world solve its biggest problems. You are listening to Change Lab Conversations on Transformation and Creativity. I'm Lauren Buckman, President of Art Center College of Design. To many of our listeners, this guest needs no introduction. She is someone who has burst through ceilings, glass, and otherwise to seize leadership roles historically held by men. She rose through the ranks as a strategic industrial designer before returning to Art Center, her alma mater, for a transformative stint as chair of our product design department. She was also a driving force behind Art Center's innovative design storm program, through which major brands engage our students in developing new products and ideas. The force of nature I'm describing here is none other than Art Center Provost and President-elect Karen Hoffman, who is the first woman to serve in either of those roles. On a personal and professional level, I couldn't have asked for a better partner in leading this college through the uncertainties of COVID-19 and the enormous logistical, creative, social, and emotional adjustments that went along with the transition to remote learning and back. But thanks in no small part to Karen's dedication and unflagging optimism, we've emerged stronger and better equipped to face the future than we've ever been. And come July, Karen will be poised to build on those achievements when she takes office upon my retirement as Art Center's first female president. Throughout all our challenges, Karen approached every situation we faced with the solution mindset that is the hallmark of every great designer. But her ability to excel during the hardest of times was a potent reminder that her background in collegiate sports was an equally valuable resource. It was almost as if she was making the case in real time that there is no better person to lead Art Center through the uncertainties that lie ahead. Please enjoy my conversation with Karen Hoffman. 
Hey, Karen. Hello, Lauren. Welcome to Change Lab. Um, At least one corner of the our beloved college that you haven't visited yet. So. <laughs> exactly. Happy, very happy to be here, of course. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast who know you and know you well, but I imagine there are many who don't, and it would be really good for us to take the opportunity to learn a little bit about your background, where you're from. And one of the questions we often ask, I'm often interested in, is when you discovered your creative spirit and how that led you forward. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll jump in with just uh, the introduction to who I am. You know, I'm sitting in my office here in Pasadena on Hillside Campus in the Provost office. And ironically, I grew up about 10 minutes from here. So I am a native to this area of Pasadena, Glendale, and grew up in a JPL family. Both of my parents worked at JPL, so Art Center has always been in proximity to me for my entire life, quite frankly. I was able to grow up in a family that had a lot of artistic, creative design, engineering background, and benefited from that. And I was able to attend Art Center after I had gone to another college at Cal State University in Northridge and studied psychology there, and then found Art Center later on. And that's, of course, probably the most significant part of my journey was to find this magical place. Art Center College of Design has definitely, like many, just changed my entire life and continues to do so. And what did you study at Art Center when you came here? I studied product design. And I think the reason why that resonated with me was because of my background. I grew up with a grandfather in German known as Opa, who was an immigrant here, who's a woodworker. And so as a child, I was able to be in his woodworking shop and I was very hands-on. And then tinkering with my dad, who was an engineer, you know, he never shied away from having me join him under the, the car fixing, you know, the, the engine or out in the garden or doing, you know, projects there and and then I had a, an amazing uncle who was uh, an architect, and I was his intern when I was in high school. So I had, you know, these various creative intersections in my life. But then there was this whole other, I look at it creatively very different. I was an athlete. I, right. I grew up playing sports. And as an eight-year-old, when there was no girls soccer, I had to be on a boys soccer team. I was the only girl. You know, moving through my life in various sports, I ended up sort of being the captain. So, you know, learning a lot about leadership too. So life at a very large university gave me some skills that I didn't really know would come into play much later on in my life, but they certainly have. I'm curious just to go a little bit further into your internal life. I, I am really curious actually about the relationship between athletics and creativity for you and how the two of them just feed off of each other, mirror each other, contrast, enhance each other, however you want to talk about it. You know, Lauren, I'm so happy you brought this up because I've had numerous conversations over the last decade about this relationship. And I think seeing it through students, seeing it through other faculty that have had an athletic background and beginning to have these conversations about, about these intersections of creativity and, and athleticism. And I think for me, the idea of collaboration, and when you think about creativity and collaboration, being on team sports, and mind you, this is team sports. I, I was never a golfer or a tennis player. And so when you're, when you're on a team and, and, and there's a trust and there's a collaboration, there is iteration, there is dedication and commitment in ways that really call on a, a creative reaction 
So if you are in the middle of a game, you're in the middle of trying to win, and I do have a very competitive side to myself, that you you do what it takes. And sometimes that means that you have to step up as a leader. Sometimes it means that you have to let somebody else step up. And that is the beauty of those moments. But to get to success requires massive practice and massive repetition. And I was one of those kids who would always shoot 100 free throws after practice. I loved shooting the ball. I I loved being the one to score. And so I made sure I was good at it. And there is a certain kind of repetition that is similar that I found in design as far as the eye-hand coordination and the beauty of finding the line, hitting the line after numerous iterations, finding the form, seeing it come to life because your eye-hand skills are caught up to your ideas. Just like in a game, your eye-hand skills, your body skills, your physical skills that you've practiced for come together in order to find uh, that success. So there's a lot, there's a lot there that one day I'd love to explore more. Change Lab listeners know, and I know you do as well, that I'm a great lover of metaphors. And for me, there's a kind of organizing principle about leadership that comes directly from my work as a theater director. And I'm wondering if you would characterize what you just explained and you just talked about as an organizing principle of you as a leader, or is there more to it? Would you even widen that definition? I can go there with you, Lauren, because when you came in to Art Center, I could see immediately you came from theater you used your creativity and your leadership through the lens of being a director. That was very obvious for me. And recently I've had a couple people remind me of why they think I have found success in leadership because they think I am the captain. The way that I've, I've led through my time, whether it's in the classroom as faculty and leading students, my music skills are, are not good because I've always thought about design in particular as, as a way you're a conductor in a studio. And so that's always been a metaphor that has stuck. You're a director, but you know, I've, I've now kind of now associated with a captain. So whether you're in a studio with a group of students working on a project or whether you're with a team of faculty leading a department, I think the lens of experience prior to even coming to Art Center as captain, dealing with moments of joy and success, and also dealing with moments of adversity and knowing how to move through that. And I think having a sense of optimism, because as a captain, you have to. When things aren't going right, <laughs> everyone's looking to you to lead them through those times of challenge. And sometimes the greatest victories come out of those moments of greatest adversity. What do you draw on? What strength do you draw on internally to serve as that effective captain? What is it in you that makes you a good captain? I think it's just the years of experience since I was a kid. I think I was very fortunate to have a childhood where I had parents who put all their chips in my basket and let me be me. They really, at a very early age, said, you want to play soccer? There's no girls teams. And okay, there's this boys team. Why don't you go play with them? And they just let me do those things. They let me 
do the things that they didn't think I should be doing <laughs> as well. But I think there was a sense of confidence I built early on. And I think that was also coupled with, I have always had a great sense of, I think, protection or enabling others through my life. I grew up as an only child, so I didn't have siblings. I was forced to sort of find my siblings outside of my family. And there's advantages and disadvantages to that. But I found myself being an advocate early on for a lot of my friends and uh, a lot of colleagues going through. And then I think, you know, going back to the captain thing, it's such a cliche, right? You're only as strong as your weakest link. But as a captain, you have to make sure that everybody on your team is either finding their voice, that they're feeling empowered, that they're feeling enabled, that they're included in the trajectory of, of the team. Whether we're winning or losing, that's really an important factor. And so I think that's kind of, I've been doing a lot of reflecting on, on who I am as a leader. And I think so much of it has to do with way back when, those early years. You know, to reflect back to you in terms of what I've observed and learned about leadership from you is you you are also level-headed about so much that I don't see things peaking or anger or rage taking over or just a certain kind of joy or of defeat. I mean, you seem to measure yourself to me. And I've tried to emulate you that way because I think there's a wisdom in that. And I think, in fact, communities are looking to leaders for their emotional response. And when they get out of whack, I think it can be problematic. Does that resonate with you? It does. Do you have a discipline of creating that kind of level-headedness? I, I do, and I'll, I'll get into that. There's a couple of things that I, I want to throw out there to the audience. So it'll resonate with some and maybe not with others, but I'm not a huge astrologist <laughs> or believer in astrology, but I'm a Libra. And I'm a really hardcore Libra. So balance is a big thing for me. And when things are not in balance, and this is also goes into my design aesthetic as well, I, I strive. I strive for that balance, that, that even keelness. It's, that's just in my DNA. It's also, I've had a, a bit of a, a charmed life. I've, I've been fortunate to be in positions where I've had others around me that allow me uh, to take that position. And, and to you, Lauren, I have to say this, when you came in, who you were in believing in the whole human and believing in, you know, really a sense of citizenship for all of us, whether we're students, faculty, staff, the way that you came in and, and, and you included the entire community to set forth the next chapter for the college, that was a very humane approach to what we were doing in this amazing art and design college. That allowed me during that time, as a new leader of product design when you came in, I felt empowered to take that on, to look at my own way that I lead with that, you know, I think steadiness. Not to say that I don't have moments where I, I lose my mind, but I, I know it's important to really, as you've taught me, to respond and not react. And that is an art form. And it's taken a long time to get to this point, but I, I do see it in others. And I, I've emulated that from others during my career as well. It's a learned skill, as yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah. it's been really important, that particular phrase that you and I have talked about, that practice to respond and not react has been very, very important for me as well. Yeah. Well, on that note, you know, Lauren, if you think about 
creative process in a way. Responding reflects a little bit more of that iterative process of that make to know versus you land on your first solution. And that is a reactive, and we've seen that where, you know, you don't follow process, you just land on the first idea. And it's rare that that works out well. So interesting how that all fits together. So Karen, why do you want to be president of Art Center College of Design? Well, this certainly came at me faster than I ever would have imagined. That's for sure. And I think in a very similar way, the opportunity to lead the academic side of the house as provost, the intentions are similar. So I think flashing back five years ago, there was a, a, a crisis in our world of social injustice, of issues around gun violence at that moment in you know 2017, a lot of unrest. And I think what sparked me to take on those external factors kind of influencing, well, what does this mean for Art Center? What does this mean for our community? What does this mean for this next generation? It got me really fired up because I have seen for my entire teaching career here and an administrative career Programs like Design Matters, which is a cornerstone for us, where it is you're using your creativity for good. I knew that in the long tail view here and in short term is that we had a responsibility as creatives to help this world solve its biggest problems. And that is where I hang my hat during my time as provost is why would I do this? And I think, too, how awesome to be around all these amazing artists and designers, both students and faculty. It is the most creative environment you could possibly be in. So that was that was a given. You know, I intimately knew that. But that moment of the bigger picture, the moment of where I knew I, I had to do this, I had to go for it. And then the ability to sort of open up a new kind of approach for Art Center, knowing we needed a new approach. We couldn't hang our hat on our legacy. While very important, we maintain elements of our legacy. It was a time for change. It was obviously set in motion too with create change. So all of the sort of pieces kind of came into play and things like really looking at the experience portfolio as far as an, an, an educational experience going beyond what we all know are those valuable skills of artists and designers when they come through Art Center. The reason why you come to Art Center is to gain those skills, is to be part of this you know, network, this industry, to have all these significant, amazing professional artists and designers you know, right here with you, to have access to these incredible alumni that have changed the world. We need to continue to do that, but in a, in a way in which the world is asking artists and designers to participate, which is getting the skills that go beyond those, those making skills, go beyond the creative skills, the technical skills. It's how do, you, how do you serve your world? How do you serve your world as a creative citizen? It requires a portfolio that allows students to experience what it's like to lead a club or to be involved in, in student government 
or to really think through what those internships are that they need to get while they're here or be a teacher's assistant to go beyond just coming here for those skills, but to be part of a community so that when they are ready to go out into the world, these future employers will see that their skills are ready to come in and, and not just have those amazing portfolio, traditional portfolio skills, but also have these other essential critical skills to make impact, to have impact on their creative teams. When you reflect on the change created over the last four or five years as you've served in this leadership position, is that what stands out for you? Or are there changes that you have witnessed that you really see as being the most significant for the college and most significant for how its future will unfold? I think this really gets me to answer your question, because I think the last few minutes I was talking contextually about sort of the base of my leadership in these last four years serving as provost. Now it's time to toggle to what have we learned? And I think Lauren, the momentum and trajectory that we have now through our strategic agenda, and I know we'll, we'll talk more about that, I want to lead that. I, I, I think we are definitely setting ourselves up for yet this next chapter of Art Center, really because we've learned so much as a community these last two to three years. We have come together as a community in ways I think we could have never have imagined. And a lot of what we've imagined for the future has come at us like incredibly fast, like a high-speed train coming at us. So the things we've been thinking about are quickly coming into reality as far as opportunities to really evolve our art and design education. And I think part of it too, and what excites me about the position of president, and it kind of gets a bit of a no pun intended, full circle moment, which is I get to be the external voice now for the college. And you have set up the table for that over this last decade plus for our entire community to come together, for numerous voices to come together to prioritize diversity, equity, and inclusion, to, to diversify and prioritize new models and not sit still. So I want to come back to more of that, but it's a good opportunity for me to pause and ask you the, about really the theme of this season, which is a relationship that we're exploring between creativity and healing. And I, I'm interested in how that all resonates with you, but back to what you were saying, how does that relationship play at Art Center? What did we learn about our community and its powers to cope, to heal, to thrive in this pandemic? Yeah. And it's such the right theme for the season, Lauren. It's been uh, very inspiring hearing, you know, and I, I'm not going to name drop, but there's been some incredible discussions that you've had regarding that relationship of healing and, and creativity. I think for me, and I can speak on behalf of, of leadership, academic leadership and faculty, is the resiliency of our students was above and beyond, I think, anything we've ever anticipated. The resiliency of our faculty to just say, you know what, I'm going to make it work. We're going to shift towards this teaching and learning model of online that the majority of faculty never even touched before. And then, of course, our staff to say, look, we're going to do whatever it takes to, to make this. So for me, the creativity comes through the silver linings that we've learned, which is seeing the, the creativity not just survive, but thrive through our students' work to get feedback and emails and 
conversations from faculty said, look at what we did. Here's a virtual reality classroom I set up. I, I need to show this to you, Karen. And seeing students in VR in a studio environment, that's on one side of the very emerging digital world, to the massive commitment we had with making sure that we mimicked the studio experience as much as possible. So that sending home cameras and equipment and AV and and making sure that our faculty in their own home studios could set things up so that there was a dynamic experience online so that students that were all over the world could feel like they were in a studio setting. You know, we call that studio in a box. It was something really, again, make to know, really deploying creatively the tools in which we know we could utilize and enable this other kind of learning, not without a lot of work and (laughs) numerous extra hours that faculty and staff put in to, to make it work, but then to hear of those successes, to hear that, hey, wait a second, actually, our students are starting to do better in some of these classes than they were when we were in the studio. And so you're, you know, these these new learning experiences that we were able to witness, it certainly fed my energy. You know, I mean, we went through so much uncertainty and and all of us and, and our students in particular, just not knowing what the pandemic was going to do to us, the fear of our loved ones getting sick or the fear of our friends getting sick and on top of you know, all of the pressure of being alone and isolated and your whole world ripped apart. As a young designer or artist, I can't even imagine what that was like. So my admiration and and respect for these young creatives that stuck with it, you know, the stress never went away. The fatigue didn't go away, but it was definitely, I think, overpowered by a, a sense of creative energy like we've never seen before. And what do those achievements portend for the future of the college, do you think? There's no turning back. <laughs> I mean, now we have a trajectory through these experiments that we started. Literally, it was experiments a couple of years ago that are now practice. We are also, of course, fortunate, and let's hope that we continue to get back into our studios. We've seen the power of being together again in numerous ways these last few months and are counting on that authentic in-person experience at both of our campuses. But there is something to be said about how people access an art center education. And when we begin to talk about things like art center extension and non-degree granting programs and all of the models of education that we know over the last few years have come to life, outside of Art Center that have forced higher education to look at itself very differently. We are right there with every other higher education institution forced to look at things differently. And we are fortunate to have a lot of creative people and a creative environment to quickly respond to that. And now we're finding ourselves asking the question, what goes back into the Art Center campus what stays online. One thing we know for sure is we will never go back as an institution to where it was before the pandemic. We now have platforms and we'll build upon what we've learned to take the arts and our education out to the world in these new models, you know. And and as you know, Lauren, one of the things I'm I'm very excited about is our our new Masters of Design online programs for brand 
and for interaction design and, you know, welcoming our first cohort, quote unquote, to Art Center to students who will never step foot on this campus this fall. That's requiring us to look at who we are as a community in an entirely new way. So what does it mean to be part of a community when you're never stepping foot in Pasadena? This is not easy, but it is essential. It's a, and a rich and wonderful question. Yeah. It yeah, is. Yeah. So that's on the graduate side, right? But then we have this whole other area of Art Center that many uh, of our listeners are aware of, and many of our alumni certainly may have gone through, which is Art Center for Kids, Art Center High School, or Art Center Teens, as we call it now, Art Center at Night, now, you know, Extension. And now we're on a mission to define what is that balance of what comes to play here in Pasadena and what do we really accelerate online so that we could get a pipeline of amazing creatives who may have never even known Art Center existed to those that thought there's no way I can get to Pasadena. I can't, I can't access an Art Center education. And now we're going there. And again, it's going to take us some time to get to where we want to get to, but this is exciting. This is the biggest silver lighting from this pandemic. It has forced us to change who we are. And so in that spirit, as you know, pre-pandemic, a good two or three years before that, you know, I stumbled on this uh, concept with McKinsey about the third horizon Mm -hmm. and that if a first and second horizons are operations and business as usual to improving those operations of business, third horizon was a really a complete and more, much more radical disruption to what the organization was all about. And we've been wrestling with that. So I wanted to invite you to talk about what your understanding of the Third Horizon is and how, you know, we tied it to our tuition and economic structure and tuition dependency, but how you understand how we may be able to begin to work with that and how the current strategic agenda is going to help carry some of the concepts of the Third Horizon. Yeah. Third Horizon is what is the next chapter? Because it doesn't even put into question, should we? It's how will we? And that means really simply that these new models that we've been exploring are not optional anymore. We have learned from this pandemic that an art center experience can happen anywhere. We just have to enable it. You know, a great example, Lauren, and this is something I've always appreciated about you during your, your time leading the ship here is enabling all of us to sort of react quickly. And one of the things that we were faced with during the pandemic was we had incredible students stuck in China or in other parts of Asia and during the height of the pandemic and could not come back to the States. So how do we enable them to continue their education? And fortunately, we, you know, set up our community hubs in Shanghai, Beijing, Shenzhen, and and Seoul, Korea. That was a risk we took. We said, we don't know what exactly we're going to do with these hubs, but we know we've got community there. We know we've got amazing alumni that are opening their doors uh, to their studios, to their networks. And at that time, too, things were healthier at that part of the world where they could gather safely. To observe from thousands of miles away on Zoom their final presentations or to be able to speak to them as a community over Zoom and to see how they were able to create these bonds, these connections in person amongst themselves. It was, you know, taking the orange dot 
and and simply you know bringing it to those four locations and just watching what was going to happen and what we learned was how essential that was in their education that yes we we knew we were providing the classes online we were doing the best we could to deal with the time zones and and these amazing students staying up at all hours of the day and night and to be in classes but that the ability for them to be with each other i mean one of the the greatest things about an art center education and what the great value is is your peer network being in the classroom learning from your peers and We've said it, and I'll say it again, you do end up learning more from your peers than you do even from your faculty at times when it comes to, to the Art Center education. And those are lifelong relationships that you take with you. So hubs, as part of that next chapter, is, is certainly there. The ability for us to kind of find the language, and this took us some time, around what we are now calling omni-channel to think about how these various modalities of in-person, online, hybrid, high flex, you know, all these new things that gave us a different lens on our portfolio of what we're offering and how we're offering and to coin it as a way coming from a marketing term, you know, omni-channel marketing, what we're delivering omni-channel education, which is we're bringing education to the learners in the way which serves them best. And it's interconnecting that education, whether you're coming in just to take a class, to taste it in Art Center Extension, or whether you think, oh, that's a certificate. You know, I'm almost at a senior level, management level. I can't stop to go get a, a graduate degree, but oh, I can do the certificate while I'm working. Or, you know, to, to be able to now say, I really do want a graduate degree, but I don't want to spend two or three years. This is a one-year option. So all these various models that we're starting to really build and explore, it's going to reflect in who we are as a community in ways that do, of course, then hit the third part of what we all agree is so important is our diversity, equity, and inclusion action plan. And that is really about committing to ultimately all these things coming together, a new access and affordability and inclusiveness of new learners that we've yet to be able to see come to Art Center for, for various constraints, whether it's economic or location, whatever those things might be. It is a huge time of change and one that I'm confident we are all ready for. Let's probe the DEI issue just a little bit more. And I suppose I'll ask the question this way, what have you found encouraging over the last few years? And where are our growth edges with that central part of what we've committed to as an institution. Yeah. I, so let me start just with the, the core of, I think, who we are. And what I've always held very close to my heart is true creativity in the classroom, in the studio, relies on diverse perspectives. It relies on having a diverse team of people coming from different points of view or aspects of the world or cultures, wherever they're coming from, the greatest ideas that result is, is from that commitment, is, is from having that kind of approach to who you are as uh, either a, a studio or an academic setting or whatever the ca case might be. And that really, to me, has always reflected hand in hand with the highest levels of creativity are going to have uh, diversity as an automatic attribute in, in how you approach that project, that studio, whatever the case may be. 
I think on a on a next level then is the commitment to bringing new voices in or empowering the voices that already exist here that have yet to find their place in a creative institution like Art Center. And I think we've done a lot to do that. We're not there yet, but we've certainly committed to, you know, evolving our curriculum, incorporating all kinds of classes. I know we're, I think, close to a hundred new kinds of classes, either by title or evolution in the curriculum and pedagogy that is really about not just diversity, equity, inclusion, but also access and belonging and really making sure that that what is happening inside of the classroom is really preparing this next generation of artists and designers to have a different kind of experience at Art Center and then take that with them when they go out into the world, into the industry. The industry is begging different kinds of designers and artists to go into their, their places of employment or their studios all over the world. And we have yet to be able to produce, you know, those that level of diversity that we all know that we want. And so, Lauren, the edges are this. It's the affordability piece as well. We know, you know, where our tuition is at. And I applaud you on your deep passion and desire to explore these new models and set us on a trajectory to do that, to, to get us into a position where we can begin to mitigate this tuition dependency, where we can really, again, offer pathways for students who could have never thought about Art Center before, for this to be an option for them. So there's a huge opportunity both in who we are as a culture, but also what we're doing inside of our culture that is going to significantly shift in the years ahead. So Karen, you're you're a first in many ways. You are the first woman to serve as provost at Art Center, I believe. I do know that it's true that you will be the first woman who's president of Art Center. These are wonderful developments for our community. What do these first mean to you? Uh, there's a lot of weight there, I think, in a few different ways. And let me first reflect just personal weight. The honor in which I'm feeling right now to serve an institution that I love so deeply. I wake up every morning having to pinch myself a little bit. <laughs> this is happening. And to be able to see this institution into this journey of our next chapter, there's nothing greater position to be able to, to do that and to lead with such an amazing team of faculty and staff that are here to help us define what that is. So that first piece is a big emotional part of who I am. It's significant for me when I look to my mentors, other women in industries that uh, have mentored me through the years that are also in leadership positions, other colleagues that have stepped into provost and presidential roles that are women. And to be you know, following and, and honoring their paths is truly significant for me. And then I think the most important part of this first 
is I hope to be that example for others and inspire others who have had maybe creative diverging paths that this too could be in front of them and how they define leadership for them, whether it is in an academic institution or in other forms in in industry or in entrepreneurial practices, whatever the case might be, that using and leaning in on your creative skills to get to this level is, it's doable. And I know there is a lot to learn in the time ahead, but I, I feel very confident in what Art Center has instilled in me over the many years as a student, as faculty, and as academic leadership to be really ready to, to take this on. Well, it's a good segue to really what the way I want to wrap up, and and that is to invite you to talk about our students and for you to reflect on how you see them, maybe how they've evolved over these different generations of Gen Xers and millennials and And the the Zs, Gen Ys and Gen Zs, and and if that's relevant, and what you hear them asking for, what you feel them clamoring for. What you want to give them as the world evolves and changes that brings them back to so many of these values and principles that you've articulated today. Well, you know, this is my favorite question. There is nothing greater in reward being here at Art Center than to see and mentor students from their starting point through their journey through Art Center and into the world, and then be able to witness the impact that they're having in their careers. And so I'll start, I'll start with this, Lauren. I'll, I'll take that look back as an Xer, being with a bunch of Gen Xers in my student experience in the 90s, here in the mid-90s. We were very, very different than the, the students that, that are here at Art Center today. And I think each era of students here at Art Center, it's it's been additive. It's never been subtractive. It's always been additive. And what I mean by that is I think where we were as Xers going through Art Center, it was a time when kind of internet was happening, but it was definitely pre-social media. Definitely digital tools were just really emerging. But as students, I think there was a certain kind of individualism that we were here at Art Center, like you came to Art Center, usually a little bit older, like myself, very focused on career, very focused on portfolio development, getting those skills, knowing that you were going to be able to go get those great jobs out in the world. We were a competitive bunch and I will say a bit workaholic-ish. You know, this is the era and even the generations prior, which is, you know, the all-nighters and do whatever it takes to get the best portfolio possible. So it raised the bar in some certain, you know, aspects as as Art Center was growing during that time. And it also then set up challenges for Gen Y coming in because there was a bit of a mind shift with this group. And that's when I kind of came back to Art Center as a teacher and quickly realized that, oh, wait a second, they have a consciousness that I think our generation did not about other things outside of Art Center. They were also digital natives. So the ability for them to naturally work with digital tools versus analog, they did both. But we had to start to understand that 
hey, these were students who had a different vocabulary in how they were to create. They had a different toolbox in how they were going to create. And they were questioning more. Why do we have to do this? Or what is the, what is the purpose of this class? Whereas our generation just said, of course, we're going to do as told. And there was also at a time of social consciousness, I think issues around climate crisis and sustainability, there was a mindset that generation had in, in the early 2000s that got us to start to significantly look at how we teach differently. And then things really were shaken up with Gen Z. And you know, I call them the hyper-digitals because they were born into it. And just who they are as a culture coming into Art Center, the ability for them to have a fluent social network that's digital, not necessarily in person, to have a different mindset about the value of their being in the classroom, the collaborative spirit versus competitive spirit of this generation. And they've moved from, I think, consciousness into activism. It's beautiful to sort of see this. And they're not losing the things that the Gen Xers brought in as far as ambition and I think a different kind of competitiveness. But they're reflecting, I think, a sensitivity that we need to see as creatives and a responsibility that is much more about the whole. You know, you and I both were in this design storm in 2017, I think it was together, where we heard from students that were helping us figure out grad show, right? We had our two campuses, grad show was split between the two campuses. It was huge and there was no way we could have our guests and recruiters see both. So we said, how do we bring it together? And we asked the students, representing all different majors, what they wanted at the tail end of their career to celebrate their careers through grad show. It was all about being together. We will show less work. We will be one. We want to be agnostic of who we are as our disciplines. Of course, we want to connect. Of course, we want to take advantage of all those things in order for us to get the professional networking that we need and meeting the recruiters and such. But who we are was not about the individual anymore. It was about the whole. And I think that is, I just kind of get chills when I think about that moment because that really, that influenced. It was a remarkable moment. It was. They came out and said, it's not about us as individuals. It's who we are as a collective. That was astonishing. That feeds me. Right. That, that is the hope. That is the spirit. That is our future. And, and that is what we as, as leaders of this institution and not just me as, as president and, and the external voice now, but all of us really embracing this generation and who knows what generation alpha is going to bring to us, but really, really think deeply, respond to that methodically and, and really enable a new kind of art and design education here. I will say this publicly as much as I can. Really, nobody loves the students like you do. And it's that is inspiring. And I think like great teaching, you can't do it unless you love the students. And uh, it's so evident and, and quite moving to me. We're all really excited to see what the future is going to bring under your leadership. And uh, 
I want to congratulate you on that. And I just want to wish you every good thing in the world as you move forward and as we move forward as a community. So thank you. Thanks for being here today and for speaking so beautifully. Well, thank you, Lauren. And I I can't end this session without some mutual gratitude here. This Change Lab series has been remarkable. The conversations that you've had, the discoveries that you've shared, that your guests have shared, it has been truly inspiring for you to to lead those conversations. And it's been a gift for us. And um, so deeply appreciate your your commitment to making this happen and uh, very honored to be a part of the stage here of Change Lab. So thank you. This has been a joy, a total joy for me. So thanks, Lauren. Change Lab is produced out of Art Center College of Design. I'd like to extend a special thanks to our small but mighty production staff, producer Christine Spines, co-producer Lauren Mahoney, editor Emily Van Bergen, and post-production supervisor and production consultant Christopher Olin. Please take a moment to support us. You can do this by heading to Spotify or Apple Podcasts to rate and review our show. And while you're at it, share us with someone who is curious about the creative process. That's it for this week on Change Lab.